Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the Brooklyn Bunker. Folks, let me tell you something. It is motherfucking Tuesday, and the news cycle yesterday was on some accelerated shit. So there is a lot to get to. I'm very excited that coming up later on in the show, um, our friend Kurt Bardella returns um, to give us some insight into what he is thinking with regard to democratic messaging and giving his insights and analysis on all of the breaking news that took place. Um, so let us start with uh, a couple of points of good news, which I never get to start with. So let's go there. Out of Georgia, uh, Fulton County District Attorney, which we have talked about many times on this show with our friend, Glenn Kirshner, has made news. And I want to read it to you directly so as not to um, mess anything up. And this is coming from CNN Politics. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, a Democrat, has been investigating whether Trump or his allies committed any crimes in their efforts to pressure state officials to overturn President Joe Biden's victory in Georgia in 2020. If you remember, Donald Trump infamously called up the Secretary of State and said, can you find me 11,780 votes? Coincidentally, the exact amount of votes that he would need to beat Joe Biden in Georgia and reshape uh, the electorate to have him come out as the winner. I go on with the article. Some 26 jurors were selected, including three alternates. The rest of the 200-person pool was dismissed. They are calling for a special grand jury to uh, go through the details of this alleged crime committed by Donald Trump and his acolytes in Georgia. Here is where I will pick up. Fulton Superior Court Judge 
Robert McBurney told the group of prospective jurors that they will have investigative authority and subpoena power to help Willis investigate whether or not a crime was committed. Quote, this group will simply be receiving information, testimony, documents, and ultimately issuing a report that will go on uh, that will go on me and to the district attorney and my colleagues on this bench where you recommend recommend what should come next in the district attorney's investigation. She's already underway in the invest in the investigation, McBurney told the court. In the roughly two-hour process of selecting the jurors, McBurney asked people to state whether they were available for service or whether they had a conflict. If they said they had a conflict, they were ushered into a separate room to speak privately with the judge. So folks, what does this say? This says that Fannie Willis um, is on the move, and we know that she has been on the move uh, because she is our last hope in getting a criminal uh, indictment of Donald Trump for his wrongdoing in the 2020 election as it pertains to what he did in Georgia. Now, if you recall, Georgia recounted their ballots, not once, not twice, but three fucking times, all to come out with the same uh, exact results, which were what? That Joe Biden won Georgia outright and that Donald Trump was a loser. So here's the thing. Uh, at the beginning of the year, or I should say the end of last year, we believed that we had two district attorneys that were going to be doing their work. One was Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan district attorney, and the other Fannie Willis. Well, we have since learned, uh, that Alvin Bragg has decided to discontinue with his investigation. Now, while he wants to give lip service after two high, high profile prosecutors quit the case because it hadn't moved in a fucking month right after Cy Vance had asked for a special grand jury in the New York case. So we realized, well, great. What is it that Donald Trump and others have on Alan Bragg? And I would love for people to dig into Alvin Bragg's fucking accounts and figure out who his biggest campaign donors were and where their interests lie. Because I think that it would be very easy to deduce from there, why Alvin Bragg, after his predecessor, was very adamant about following suit against Donald Trump, that he would then decide to back off out of nowhere. Two high-profile people quit. Then he says, oh, we can't release right those resignation letters because they contain pertinent information. Oh, I think that we all know what the information was, that Alvin Bragg is bought and sold just like many people associated in and around New York as it pertains to Donald Trump, Teflon Don, who no one has been able to fucking nail a case with for like 40 goddamn years. So what did I tweet? I said, you know what? Who's going to come in to save the day? It is going to be black women because between Tish James in New York and Fannie Willis in Georgia, it seems that black women are the only ones that are fit for the job and ready to actually fucking do it, right? Because they are, as Shirley Chisholm had said, unbossed and unfucking bothered. So God willing, folks, we will continue to keep our eyes on what is happening and what is unfolding in Georgia as they continue to investigate whether or not there was crimes committed by Donald Trump and company in Georgia in order to show him as the winner of the election.
Okay. So now on to other breaking news because Lord, y'all hold on to your seats, hold on to your hats. If you're driving, pull over. Cause I don't want anybody to crash. Here we go. The January 6th committee, um, has issued now three more requests of high profile Republicans. Again, I'm going to read this verbatim because I don't want you to miss anything. This is coming out of the Washington post. Here we go. The committee sent letters to GOP representatives, representative Mo Brooks of Alabama, Andy Biggs of Arizona and Ronnie Jackson of Texas, three members of the ultra right house freedom caucus that have in recent years aligned themselves with Trump. Jackson quickly ruled out cooperating. I wonder why could it be because the committee has already unearthed with their treasure trove of text messages that they have been able to retrieve, um, coordination as it seems between Ronnie Jackson and the leader of Oath Keepers, uh, Stuart Rhodes, who by the way, has been indicted for treasonous behavior and his involvement in the one six, uh, attempt to overthrow our government. So here is what the Washington post is saying. Quote, the select committee has learned that several of our colleagues have information relevant to our investigation into the facts, circumstances, and causes of January 6th. Committee Chairman Benny Thompson, Democrat from Mississippi, and Vice Chair Liz Cheney, Republican from Wyoming, said in a joint statement, we urge our colleagues to join the hundreds of individuals who have shared information with the select committee to get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th. Since launching its investigation last summer, the January 6th panel has been slowly gaining new details about what lawmakers said and did in the weeks before the insurrection. Members have already asked three GOP lawmakers, Jim Jordan, Scott Perry, and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California to testify, and all have refused. Um, here's what I want to say about why they are going after these three folks now. Well, this comes, um, on the heels of other things that these members have going on and where the committee believes that it is possible, uh, that they're going to glean more information. So here is what the Washington post says. The decision to ask for Brooks's cooperation comes weeks after the Alabama Republican accused Trump of dropping an endorsement for him for Senate for a Senate seat after he rebuffed the former president's entreaties to help overturn the 2020 election. Now, remember, Donald Trump is sitting on a treasure trove of over $100 million, right? So his endorsements go a long way, not only with this rabid red meat base um, who are filled with racists and deplorables, but also the potential to be able to get your hands on this treasure trove of money that Donald Trump has raised, or I say grifted from his constituents. So here we go on to say this from the Washington post. Trump wanted the election rescinded and a do-over Brooks told reporters in March, but there's no legal way to do that. Brooks spoke at the rally that day before Trump supporters stormed the Capitol, telling them today is the day that American patriots start taking down names and kicking ass. He has since become more critical of the former president and the committee believes his insight into Trump's efforts to involve members of Congress will be helpful in their investigation. Now we move on to Biggs. 
The committee's interest in Biggs is on the heels of an April 22nd court filing in which lawmakers accused him of being an active participant in White House meetings after the 2020 election where he and other Republicans brainstormed ways to keep Trump in power. Biggs is also accused of encouraging protesters to come to Washington on January 6th, as well as persuading state legislators and officials that the election was stolen. Okay. We move on to, I think, one of the most interesting stories to come out, which is of Jackson. Additionally, Jackson, a former White House physician to two presidents, was mentioned in text retrieved by the committee between members of the Oath Keepers as they and the rest of the violent mob descended on the Capitol building. In one text, a member of the far-right militia group texts their leader, Stuart Rhodes, saying Jackson required their protection because he has critical data to protect. Quote, The exchanges above raise several specific questions for you. This comes as a letter to Jackson from the committee. Here's question number one. Why would these individuals have an interest in your specific location? Because, dear friends, in the text messages that were received by the January 6th House Commission, not only are they saying that Jackson, Representative Jackson, needs to be protected at all costs because he has certain data, but they're also texting in real time that folks have, quote, eyes on Jackson, which means what? That this was, as we all fucking know, a coordinated effort that was happening both outside of the Capitol building, inside the Capitol building, and from a state away in Virginia, right? So we understand that they had tactical units that were on the ground, the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, members of Congress now we are recognizing were a part of those tactical measures that were being taken and coordinated by these fucking white nationalist groups that Donald Trump on stage told to stand back and stand by. Now I ask you, where the fuck is Merrick Garland? Because I don't know how much more fucking information needs to come out for that motherfucker to get off of his ass and actually do something to protect our institutions instead of just saying so. (sighs) Let me breathe. Second question that is asked in the letter to Jackson asking for him to be interviewed by the January 6th committee. Why would they the Oath Keepers, believe you have critical data to protect? Question two. Question three, why would they direct their members to protect your personal safety? Now, what we know is that Mo Brooks, right? This is one of the three that are being asked uh, to sit down for questioning by the January 6th uh, bipartisan committee was wearing, uh, I believe, like somebody's body armor underneath his jacket and shirt. These people knew exactly what was coming on January 6th. They knew exactly for the fact that they were going to be protected by those people on the ground. I have no, no feeling whatsoever that this is me speaking outside of term. These people's pictures, I'm certain, were passed around so that you knew which members to go after and who not to, who to protect and cover, 
right? And who to beat down. This could have been a day of extraordinary bloodshed. Instead, there was bloodshed, but only one person, well, two people were killed, right? One police officer and one protester that went through the doors. And I, let me not use the word protester. That was a slip. Um, one insurrectionist who refused to listen to police commands and was shot. So in a statement yesterday, Jackson said this quote, I do not know, nor do I have contact with those who exchanged text messages about me on January 6th. In fact, I was proud to help defend the house floor from those who posed a threat to my colleagues. Well, they posed a threat to your colleagues, but they certainly weren't going to pose a threat to you because clearly you had cut somebody's fucking sweetheart deal that would have you be protected for whatever data you were holding was gleaned to be of the utmost importance. What that data was, we don't know. But I'm pretty sure at some point in time, we're gonna find out. The thing that is pissing me off, dear friends, and I wanna continue with what Jamie Raskin uh, said over the weekend, uh, friend of the show and member of Congress, what he said over the weekend that again should have all of our eyes perk up, which is the fact that I believe that the committee hearing, which is getting ready to take place, God willing, during prime time and God willing, they get Shonda Rhimes or somebody who has some sense about how fucking TV works to get to run the show uh, so that the American people pay attention. But I digress. I know that they're not that smart. Um, but this is what Jamie Raskin uh, Congressman Maryland representative, uh, has said, uh, about the eight hearings, um, that the house will hold next month in June. This is according to Newsweek. Jamie Raskin said this, that the scheduled June hearings will reveal quote, the worst presidential political offense in American history. Um, he goes on to say, Quote, we now have evidence to support the story of the worst presidential political offense against the union in American history. This is what he tweeted last week. The January 6th committee hearings in June will expose every facet of the assault against our democracy and constitution on January 6th. Um, no president. This is what Raskin said at an event last week. No president has ever come close to doing what happened here in terms of trying to organize an inside coup to overthrow an election and bypass the constitutional order. And then also use a violent insurrection made up of domestic violent extremist groups, white nationalists, and racist fascist groups in order to support that Coup. Folks, the evidence is overwhelming. There was coordination. There was strategy. There was previous knowledge to how violent January 6th was going to be. None of these people that have been named from the Republican Party notified the FBI, the CIA, Capitol Police, or anyone 
to alert them to the fact that January 6th was going to get violent. But somehow, some way, they were all a part of that planning. The House investigative panel can only go but so far. It will be up to the Department of Justice to take it the rest of the fucking way. Now, Merrick Garland is being rumored as saying, well, we're not going to make any moves ahead of midterms because we don't want this to seem political. If you don't recognize that an attempt, a violent attempt at that to overthrow the fucking election with a big lie is innately political, then you are a fucking idiot. That's it. So at this stage of the game, if I am... And you see how upset I am. I just ripped out my earring. If I am Joe Biden, I'm looking at new fucking attorney generals, right? Like if I believe in democracy, if I actually want to run for president again in 2024, then this motherfucker is not who I am rolling with. Folks, coming up next, my conversation with our friend Kurt Bardella on all of this Uh, With regard to the January 6th committee, the Democratic Party, and where we are going, if anywhere but hell, from here. Folks, you know I'm always excited when I get to bring one of the best and the brightest back to Woke AF, our friend Kurt Bardella, who is an advisor with the DNC and the DCCC. Um, Kurt. Let's, I I mean, there's so much to delve into. So let's start with January 6th, where I believe all things start and end, (laughs) uh, frankly. So this week we had a decision uh, come down by a Trump appointed U.S. Federal Circuit Court judge, uh, Tim Kelly, who has upheld uh, the subpoena uh, by the January 6th Select Committee to be able to see Email data from Salesforce of the RNC between Election Day 2020 and January 6, 2021, with the entire notion that the RNC essentially was pushing the big lie as a fundraising tool. And by virtue of using the big lie as a fundraising tool, uh, as a fundraising tool, sowed the seeds for violence that we saw erupt on January 6th. Now, tell us what, is this a big win for the committee? Is it a big win for Democrats? And how, and and what we should be making of this type of ruling from, again, a Trump-appointed federal judge? Well, Daniel, I think that it's a victory for anyone who actually cares about the, the, the attempted effort to completely throw out democracy. Uh, Every court battle that we win, whether it's over a subpoena, over a witness or a deposition, uh, it's just a a clear example that despite all other efforts to drag this out and to obstruct and to not cooperate, that any time push comes to shove and a decision is rendered, it's rendered on behalf of democracy, that they're losing. I mean, we've seen time again, Trump has a, a pretty, pretty big track record of losing court cases. Um, and at the end of the day, when people want to hide something and people want to not cooperate, I'm of the mindset that there's a reason for that. And, and when Republicans lose these type of decisions, particularly something that's about the, the structural organization, the official apparatus of the Republican Party is now going to fall under scrutiny. And we're going to find out all the data, all the information, 
what they did, how much they raised, how often were they promoting this message, I think that's of, of vital importance to get the, the full picture of what happened on January 6th because what we have come to see, the more information that comes out, we learn that this was a coordinated, a deliberate, a systemic effort by the entire Republican Party apparatus to throw out a free and fair election. And we, we the American people, as we look towards the next election, deserve to have the entire picture of who was involved, their, what, what their actions were, what their directives were, how they profited from it. And that's something that we need to just completely explode and make sure that everybody in this country understands. Whether you like the result of the election or not, you need to understand what happened because I'm telling you, what we saw last year in 2020, or two years ago now in 2020, that was not an isolated incident. That is the playbook for the Republican Party going forward if they have their way and go unchecked. You know, the thing that gets me, Kurt, though, about the House Select Committee is that they're the ones that are doing all the heavy lifting. So far, which they have no ability to press criminal charges against anybody that they have. Essentially, they, they are functioning as a research arm, right? Their research only matters if, in fact, we have a Department of Justice that is going to take the information that they have been gathering o over the past year plus and actually utilize it in some way that brings about justice. What do you think about the way in which this administration, though, has been very mum on accountability as it pertains to January 6th and Donald Trump? Biden does not talk about this. Harris does not talk about this. Um, we, I, I put Merrick Garland on a milk carton at least twice a month at this point. <laughs> and so we know by virtue of the work that we do that messaging is important. So what do we make of the absence of messaging around January 6th and what the committee is doing as we make the moves to our upcoming election? Well, you know, I think that it almost feels like it's been like this avoidance play uh, for mm -hmm. some reason, that there was this deliberate decision that was made that the president just wanted to move on from January 6th and wanted the country to move on. And, and on some level, I, I get, I understand that, that impulse from someone who came from, frankly, a much different era of how politics used to work. Um, you know, it, it, what's happened in this country is is somewhat inconceivable for someone who came up at a time when you could have honest disagreements with the other side and still go on a codel with them and still break bread with them and, 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 and all the things that we saw from the old guard of the Senate that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, what I do think, though, is that that avoidance play is no longer sustainable. And the fact that there are going to be, come early June, public hearings that you know, Jamie Raskin has gone out there and publicly said that these hearings are going to effectively blow the roof off the floor. I mean, we, we haven't even scratched the surface of how bad this was. And once we have that full picture in public light, a public airing of all of the evidence that they've accumulated, all the testimony that they've accumulated, uh, it, it will be impossible for uh, any political party, Republican or Democrat, to avoid what happened on January 6th. And furthermore, I believe that the president as the nation's top elected officer, as the guardian of our democracy, will have a moral responsibility to speak out, to speak actively, to speak aggressively about those findings when they become public. 
Let's talk about um, this upcoming election, though, the the midterm elections and January 6th, because it seems to me that this administration wants to run from everything, right? Everything is about what will Republicans do? How will they respond? Um, and, And I understand that strategically understanding how your opposition is moving, but that Shouldn't we be making moves that are putting the Republican Party on the defensive instead of us consistently being on the defensive? And Kurt, if you were leading the messaging charge around this with how how would we best use this news coming out of uh, Judge Kelly's chambers, this news coming out of what what we'll talk about uh, shortly out of Georgia? And a special grand jury. How would you use this as a way to rally the to rally the troops on the heels of what will be the beginning of these public hearings? Well, and I think I think the message really has to be simple. Um, my message to voters is: if you're thinking about sitting out this next election, if you are dissatisfied with the current pace of progress from the Biden administration, you need to understand. And we learned this the hard way already once before, frankly. Uh, in 2016, elections have consequences. If you are a woman in this country and you want to have the right to make your own healthcare decisions, that's on the ballot this November. If you are someone that's struggling to meet to make ends meet, understand that if you vote for the other guys, your taxes are going to go up and the billionaires' taxes are going to go down. If you are someone in this country who actually cares about injustice, cares about equality, cares about all the things that the, the, the so-called culture wars that are being waged right now by the Republican Party, if you sit this one out, we will lose that battle and we will lose that war indefinitely. If you care about who's president of the United States, if you want to return to Donald Trump, let me tell you something. If you elect Republicans in 2022, they will ensure that 2024 will go Republican way, no matter what the outcome is. This could very well be the last free Mm -hmm. and fair election we have in our history. That is what is at stake. And all the information that's about to come out over the next couple of months through the January 6th committee hearings, through some of these court cases in New York, in Georgia, all that information is going to expose the, the, the Republican playbook to try to permanently ensure that they hold on to power and impose a radical and extreme minority view on the rest of us. Do you think, though, Kurt, that having these public hearings happen in June, which is when school lets out, it is the beginning of summertime and no one is in their house. And, you know, even though COVID numbers are going up, there's this belief that we are no longer in a pandemic, that this is the right timing for this. Like, why did it take Democrats until June as opposed to, I don't know, say February, March, when it's winter, we're in the house, uh, Omicron is, is raging, and you have people's full attention. How, what, what, can you make sense of the timing uh, of, of these hearings now being public? I think, honestly, a lot of it has to do with just the pace of the investigation. I mean, let, let's remember, a lot of people close to Trump have refused to cooperate, have obstructed, have lied. Uh, about what their role was. And, you know, this is such a, you know, it's like an onion. There are so many layers. And 
the committee would try to interview person A, they wouldn't be able to. So they go to person B. Person B would talk to them and they would learn a little something that changes how they were viewing person A. And that, and, and that process, that pattern replicated itself probably a hundred times, I imagine. Um, you know, I, I have to believe that as they prepare for these hearings, uh, that the members of this committee, uh, including Republicans like Liz Cheney and Adam Kingsinger, they understand the stakes. They know what the count is right now in this balls and strikes uh, uh, competition between Republicans and Democrats. And, and I believe that they will put on a very effective and informative uh, process that, again, I think it will be impossible for, for Republicans and certainly for Democrats, frankly, to ignore and hide from this any longer. I think that, again, Jamie Raskin is someone who I, I have a lot of a tremendous amount of respect for. Frankly. Same. Uh, and when someone like that goes out there and flat out says this is going to blow the roof off the place, like he's not underselling. He knows better than to, you know, we've all, we went through the Mueller investigation. We know oh, what it's like God. to get our hopes up and have them dash away. So when someone like Raskin goes out there and says that, knowing what he knows, I believe that they are going to be explosive. Let's talk about other explosions uh, that are happening this week as well. Uh, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, uh, a Democrat, has been investigating, uh, this is according to CNN, has been investigating whether Trump or his allies committed any crimes in their efforts to pressure state officials to overturn President Joe Biden's victory in Georgia in 2020. Some 26 jurors, Kurt, have been selected, Mm -hmm. including three alternates. The rest of the 200-person pool was dismissed. Fulton Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney told the group of prospective jurors that they will have investigative authority and subpoena power to help Willis investigate whether or not a crime was committed. What do we think about this news? And again, what are the where are the opportunities from Democrats to be able to use these uh the the these uh, I guess uh, issues that are coming up legally with Donald Trump to be able to use them as campaigning tools, yeah. as an opportunity to message to the people like it's either us or the party of cr- of criminals. Well, you know, you'll remember, and a lot of people have moved on, which I don't understand how that's even possible. But there was a phone call, an audio a recording that Donald Trump yep. had, where he's 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 pleading with Georgia election officials to just find 11,000 votes to simply overturn the election. That phone call is as close to a smoking gun as I've ever seen in any investigation in the history of this country. The fact that a special grand jury is being impaneled, uh, that is a significant legal development because there are some 30 officials who who have uh, refused to cooperate with what's going on in Georgia. A special grand jury can compel that testimony, can issue subpoenas. A special grand jury, unlike other grand juries in Georgia, which have to be disbanded after a certain amount of time and look at a number of cases, this grand jury will be looking at only one case, and it's this one. And there are a lot of people involved in this, from Rudy Giuliani to Lindsey Graham to Donald Trump to everybody within the Trump orbit on the campaign side. They can come under some very real legal jeopardy here. Uh, this is, uh, I think of all the investigations that we have seen go on in all multiple states, I actually think that the Georgia one is the most legally perilous for Donald Trump and company because of the existence of this audio recording that spells out his intent, 
that spells out the effort that they're that w underwent to intimidate people to commit election fraud to the creation of these bullshit elect fake electors mm -hmm. that tried to assemble and uh, submit their fraudulent documents. Uh, there's a lot there. And even though this one's been flying under the radar for a really long time, this is, I think, a very uh, significant development. Um, and I think when you look at just the overall campaign, I, I do think, and I kind of agree with you here, one of the bumper sticker slogans for Democrats heading into 2022, it, it has to be democracy or Trump. I mean, it, it, three words. It's that simple. And everything that we're going to come out, all the audio recordings that we have, all the evidence that we have, hell, the recordings from the Republicans like Kevin McCarthy that we have. I mean, my God. Like, that, that needs to be a massive ad barrage using their words against them. That's how we play this. Kurt, do you think that the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland is going to do what is necessary uh, in a time frame that, I don't know, makes sense to save our democracy, um, which would be before the uh, midterm elections, where I believe that once Republicans uh, the gavel is returned to them. That will be the last time that we see it. Um, do you think that there will be movement? And, you know, the second part to that question is, do you think that this administration and the Democratic establishment understand the, gra the gravity of this moment that we're in? Up until the last couple of weeks, I would have said no. Um, I... One of the real unintended, I think, consequences and impacts of the McCarthy audio tapes is I really do think it's it's kind of brought back to the surface, I think, for a lot of members of Congress, honestly, what they were thinking and feeling about January 6th and just how broken this system is, almost beyond repair from the Republican side, that the Republican leader, the would-be wannabe Speaker of the House, knew that Donald Trump was a clear and present danger to this country, expressed that sentiment to his colleagues and still didn't act on it at the end of the day, uh, retreated from that and has since then done everything to convince everybody not to believe their eyes and their ears. And so I think that if anything, that, that realization that's dead to rights on tape, I think has awoken some people that before I would not have expected to really be aggressive on this, that they see now, uh, the system isn't going to save itself. And if mm -hmm. we wait for that to happen, it's just going to go under. And so this is kind of an all or nothing moment, an all or bust moment. And we have got to do something actively to save democracy or, or it's game over. Um, I'm a little bit more optimistic. And I say that cautiously because <laughs> I've, I've been down. This I heard road it come out of your mouth. You're like, you know? I'm a little bit optimistic, <laughs> a, little op a little optimistic, just because of people that I've talked to recently that I didn't think had the stomach for this fight, who, you know, a, a bit of a light was ignited under them hearing the McCarthy tapes. Um, and, and I didn't expect that reaction, but it, it you know, Again, if I were a betting person, would I be betting on Merrick Garland to save democracy? Yeah, probably not. But I do think that there's a little bit more urgency, at least, um, because of what's come out recently than, than there was, than I would have said two months ago. Two months ago, I would have said we're fucked. Yeah. Let's talk, um, you know, with a few minutes that we have left, let's talk about uh, the Republican messaging machine. Um, last weekend blockbuster story, three-part series to describe what I could do in a tweet, which is 
tell the world that Tucker Carlson is a racist and tell them that Fox News. Yeah, exactly. Pause for shock uh, and, and tell the world that that Fox News um, makes bank uh, on racism and promoting white supremacy and hate. Um, they have a messaging machine. They have a, you know, a person that is bringing in tens of millions of viewers that neither the MSNBCs or the CNNs can compete with, um, or, or even try frankly to compete with, uh, on that level. And they show no sign of stopping, right? Tucker Carlson took a photo of himself with his three part fucking, you know, spread, uh, as a joke to make a joke of the New York times, to make a joke of all of us. How do you see us being able to break that juggernaut? How do we, you know, with the voices, you know, our friends, you, me, uh, people that are in the sphere, how do you, how do we battle against that? You know, it's interesting. Someone recently asked me, uh, if you were advising, let's say a billionaire who cares about democracy, what would you tell him to do? And I would tell him this, get together with your billionaire friends. Each of you put in a hundred million dollars and we need to build our own media network to compete with the Republican messaging machine. Because right now we are outgunned. We are outmanned and we have been for a really long time now. Yep. If we are waiting for the mainstream media apparatus to save us, it ain't ever going to happen. Because they still cling to this ridiculous notion of two equal sides, two competing voices that need to be equally represented. CBS, for fuck's sake, hired Mick Mulvaney, who rode shotgun with Trump as he threatened the president of Ukraine, okay? Uh, ABC puts Chris Christie on the fucking Sunday show every goddamn week, who helped Donald Trump prepare for his debates against Joe Biden. That's the mainstream media right there. That's where they're at. So we need to go find people. If you, you know, for all the big money people, fucking God, Elon Musk dropping $40 billion to buy Twitter. I mean, like they're doing their thing. They're using their money, their resources, their power to build their own echo chambers and reach their voters. Where the fuck is ours? That's what I would say. I mean, you're, you're hundred percent right because it's the question and it's the anger that I have every single day. I said, where are our billionaires? Right. And you can't tell me that it's morality that is stopping you from from actually doing something when you see that, like, everything is at stake. Everything is at stake in this election. And I know that for a decade plus, we've been saying that with every election. But I think that we have reached like the cliff with our democracy. Like we are we are hanging over the side here. And if something does not give right, it will be democracy that gives. Right. And it's not like there's no shortage of talent or voice. Let me tell you something. You, someone go out there, give me a billion dollars, and you're going to see programming that's going to have you. It's going to have me. It's going to have Wajah. It's going to have Ellie. It, I mean, th- there's no short of talent right. that, that could not carry an anchor or show every day for an hour and, and drive home the message, hold Republicans accountable, and go after the Republicans the way that they, that they go after all of us. But the last question that I have for you, Kurt, um, is this, while it is evident based on the New York Times reporting, but just what we already know, that what Fox News does it, 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 and, and what they perpetuate is red meat for their base, would conversations about the truth and the fate of our democracy be red meat for the Democratic base? I think if it was presented to them, 
And you know, here's the thing about Fox and, and, and Republicans, and, and I'm going to credit where credit's due. They're very good at this. Very good at this. Mm-hmm. The power of repetition. Yeah. Uh, like, I cannot underestimate. Like, I get so annoyed when I hear people say, well, you know, uh, trying to label the Republican Party as the Marjorie Taylor Greene Party or the Matt Gates Party, it doesn't work. It doesn't pull well. Like, well, maybe because unlike the Republicans, we haven't spent a billion dollars hammering that home every day for the last decade. I mean, like you got to start somewhere. Our voters, our constituencies, our audience, they need to hear it every day, multiple times a day, and then maybe it'll seep in. If it's just once in a while or once an hour, that's not enough. Right. Fox is hitting their people with this literally every segment, every day, 365 days a year, and they've been doing it for like two decades now, really. It's like you go back to 9-11 to now, mm-hmm. and Th- th- that's the chart. What have we done to counter that? And when I say me, we, I mean the mainstream media. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and they haven't. Because here's the thing, and the biggest difference, when our side fucks up, the media is all over it. How many mm-hmm. Democrats and disarray headlines have we seen in the last year? When their side, can, you know, by any moral standard fucks up, it's nowhere to be seen. You yep. can't even find the Kevin McCarthy tapes on Fox News programming, okay? They don't like that audience has no idea that that even happened. That's what we're up against. That's insane. Kurt Bardella, as always, I appreciate you so much for making the time uh, to join us on Woke AF, but more importantly, for all of the work that you're doing in the USA today on MSNBC, in every single media outlet that you go on to s- just tell the truth. Um, you know, you're you're like a one man band when you're going into all of these places. And, and to your point, we need mass saturation. And it's like the question is, how do we get there? Um, and that's what we try and figure out each and every day on Woke AF. So we appreciate you. It's so good to be back with you. And uh, hopefully I'll be back on a little bit more often now. Yes. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.